0: Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.
1: It's Bullseye. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. The magic of H. John Benjamin. It's kind of a one-two punch. First, his voice. A deep baritone that is unmistakable when you hear it. Then his timing. Slightly stilted, usually deadpan. It catches you off guard and it makes him one of the funniest voice actors alive today. He can play lovable slackers like Ben from Dr. Katz, professional therapist, or of course Bob from Bob's Burgers.
0: Oh God. Listen, your mother and I have to go downstairs and grind the meat. But you kids know where you're supposed to be while we're gone, right? Right. Tina, you're on the grill. My crotch is itchy. Whoa! Okay, are you telling me as my daughter or as my grill cook? Um, as Because my grill cook would never tell me that. Oh. Also, my daughter should probably not say anything like that to me. Tell her, tell your mom. My crotch is itchy? Come here, let me see. Linda, not now. No, let's
1: all see it. No!
0: I'm just not sure if I'll be any good on the grill with just one free hand.
1: Okay, I'm just gonna keep moving here. But he can also play macho windbags, who are similarly lovable, like Coach McGurk on Home Movies, or my favorite among favorites, Sterling Archer from the TV show Archer. With lead roles in some of the most popular comedies of our time, it's hard to call H. John Benjamin a failure, but he doesn't really mind the label. When we chatted in 2018, he'd just written a book called Failure is an Option, an attempted memoir. memoir. In it, he recounts his shortcomings in excruciating detail. And how wouldn't you know it, a lot of those failures opened the door for success. Failures in family, in work, in serving fajitas. It's a self-deprecating and self-aware memoir. And since it's written by H. John Benjamin, it is also very funny. Anyway, let's take a listen to one of my favorite characters John plays, Sterling Archer. Sterling is a spy, but he is also a narcissist with a genuinely horrible drinking problem. In this clip from season two of the show, Archer and his partner Lana, who's played by Aisha Tyler, are on a mission in the swamps of Louisiana. Their airboat engine just failed, and now they're stranded in an alligator-infested bayou.
0: The swamp's too dirty. It's full of whatever alligator out, which I can only assume is people. They don't eat people. They eat people all the time. They don't. Last year, Sarasota County, Florida, Chet Willard, age 16, swimming in the Oak River Canal, killed by an 11-footer. Two years ago, Chatham County, Georgia, Ruth Baker, age 39, killed in her backyard by a 10-footer. Archer? Same year, Pinellas County, Florida, Walter Jakes, age 70, and his dog, Archer. Killed by a 12-footer. Three years ago, Dave County... Archer! What? What are your three biggest fears? <sighs> Archer. Alligators, by far the biggest. And so, you've memorized every fatal alligator attack? Just in the U.S. I can't find any information on attacks
1: in China. John Benjamin, welcome back to Bullseye. It's nice to get to talk to you again.
0: Thanks, it's been a while. I feel like uh, it's been years.
1: Congratulations on your all your successes, uh, particularly now in the field of failure.
0: Uh, yes, I wrote a book about my failures. Um, I wouldn't call it a success yet, but hopefully. I think it's a success. I mean, you made it onto National Public Radio. Oh, come uh, on. Any, anybody can get there.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Point granted. <laughs>
0: that's, I mean, I'm not sure anybody, but come on. I mean, if anyone wandered by right now, they would get on.
1: <laughs> so, John, how would you characterize uh, the difference between your voice characterizations on Archer and Bob's Burgers? Um,
0: You know, I've learned over the years to answer that question. I used to say there is no discernible difference, but people have uh, told me otherwise. Um, And I guess people do distinguish them now. And I've learned that I'm a lot louder and uh, more aggressive as Archer. And I'm a lot more like myself as Bob, probably like right now, as in searching for the next word to say. <laughs> um, but Archer's, um, yeah, like he's he's confident in, in his voice, and I think I'll I'll also say that there's a little bit of improvisation in Bob's, and there's pretty much none in Archer. So that affects the 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 tone of the scenes and the way the characters are, because sometimes we are actually searching for the next word.
1: At what point in your life did you actually make the affirmative choice to become a comedy performer? Because, I mean, you, you describe your life all the way into graduate school in your book yep. without any indication other than occasionally kind of trying to insert yourself into other people's families that you, that you wanted to be a comedian or a performer. Well, it's true. It's not a
0: consistent memoir. It's certainly not a traditional memoir. I kind of go all over the place and mess up and just sort of move not so fluidly from story to story. But I, I that kind of doesn't come up in the book because, like I just said, I sort of failed at putting together a memoir properly. Um, so I overlook a lot of stuff. But I, um, I, I, I don't think I've... Uh, Legitimately thought I was a a real comedian until probably my mid thirties, I guess, and I had been doing it for probably ten years, Um, pretty consistently. Like uh, after I dropped out of graduate school, I moved to Boston and kind of was doing sketch comedy here and there, Um, but never took it really seriously. I I would say until my early thirties, so probably like yeah. Six to ten years in. I,
1: I want to play a, um, I want to play a clip, and this I think is very. Uh, uh, this is like a perfect example of the uh, John Benjamin comedy aesthetic. Um, this is you. and... I'm not looking forward to this. Yeah, <laughs> you. <laughs> you and John Glazer. Uh, who's a, a fellow comedy writer and performer with whom you've worked on and off for many, many, many years? A professional improviser, not yeah, yeah. And um, the the two of you are are presenting yourselves as a, I guess, a comedy act called the Forgetta Buddies, um, and and basically the the premise of this, they say they're from San Diego, but then they talk like guys like robert de niro in a new york movie from 1980 i think they were from the little italy section of san
0: diego as as i remember maybe (laughs) let's take a listen folks you're not going to believe this but uh, the forgetter buddy's got a new candy bar in the market let's do some of my material huh kc oh you already started all right go ahead (laughs) So like K.C. said, we got a candy bar coming out. <laughs> jet lag, folks, jet lag. It's a long flight. The name of the candy bar is uh, the forget about it. Uh, you remember that candy bar that whatchamacallit? <laughs> it's very similar, but
1: uh, the forget about it has nougat where the It had caramel. Other than, I sti-
0: that, <laughs> other than that, the
1: same candy bar.
0: I still don't know why that's funny. But the point is it's a detail a couple detail. funny words you never know <laughs> nougat nougat is a funny word. you right? never know what rings what rings for people. you gotta let it all hang out k c That's what we're all about. Let's right. forget, buddies, forget about
1: it <laughs> Oh my lord <laughs> Wow, I mean it's a bit that is so actively resistant to the appear- uh, resistant to the appearance of trying of uh, yeah. I mean, we, we came up with that bit,
0: I think, uh, driving to Hoboken to do a Yola Tango Hanukkah show. So there was no, I think we had planned another bit, and we just replaced it. Because we were trying to find a parking space, and we were in New Jersey. So every time we pulled up, there was a hydrant or a no parking. We were like, forget about it. <laughs> um, and I think John and I then were like, let's just go do that instead of what we had planned. So that bit was, that came out of absolute n- unplanning, if that's a word.
1: Why did you never do stand-up? I don't, I d- I don't
0: think I had the facility, and I'm glad I, I didn't. I do it now a little bit, because I, I kind of fake it. Um, but I started, when I, when I started comedy in Boston, I was doing mostly duo acts, or I would collaborate with somebody. Um, and then I got involved in sketch. Um, but that sketch troupe involved a lot of stand-ups. Um, but I just never, I had—I honestly had no interest in it. So um, I, I sort of learned through, via other people I've worked with over the years, on how to do it. I sort of started to do it more recently, I would say in the last 10 years. Um, which is not a great way to do it. But stand-up is hard to back your way into but
1: there's a lot of bobs burgers fans out there so they can tolerate me <laughs> you write really admiringly about your father's work ethic but you also seem almost worried about it retrospectively <laughs> like your your father ran some uh, like an electrical supply like a lighting supply store of some kind yes he did he he inherited his that was a
0: family business which ended with me. I guess I was the one who was going to take over, and then I, yeah, then I went into comedy. So I killed that business. <laughs> um, yes, I destroyed him. I, I mean, win.
1: You worked. <laughs> I won. I won.
0: <laughs> I did I. I was the one that had the name removed from the. <laughs> take Benjamin off that but uh he was he worked his whole he inherited his father my gra- uh, grandfather died when he was a very young man so i think my father uh my grandmother had taken over that business and and made it her own and so he and he took over at a very young age so my real failure feels like i've i failed him as in i failed to you know sort of th- those expectations although a lot of those expectations were, um, I, were coming from me. You know, I don't think there was a lot of communication back and forth. So I'm not sure that I've, I made the right or wrong decision based on his desire, but it was my assumption that he wanted me to do what he did. Um, but I don't think he's opposed to what I do, and certainly not now. He's, he's, uh, he's a kind man.
1: When you had a kid, did it change the way you related to your work? Yeah, I, I got worse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, like, stopped working, and I got worse. I, there was, yeah, I had, a, I had a really, like, allergic reaction to being a father for a couple years. Um, and for that, I forgive him. <laughs> um or apologize I should say so yeah for for some reason like I didn't have that like spurt of like oh I got to you know get out there and and take care of my family and I just went the opposite way I was like whenever he napped I napped <laughs> and <laughs> and so forth <laughs> took him around the neighborhood to my to the video game parlor where <laughs> Where I would play (laughs) Halo online. (laughs) So he was reared in a yeah for a couple years in a video game parlor in the East Village to the sounds of gunfire.
1: Were you scared about being a dad?
0: Uh, Yeah, I I think I didn't know I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, I think that that goes for a lot of people who become a parent for the first time. I would actually use him in a lot of like we were doing, I th- at the time I think Dave Dave Cross and Todd Barry and I were doing the show Tinkle once a week. So he was an extra in a lot of my videos for that show. <laughs> so I, I do feel bad about primarily using a human infant as an extra <laughs> in several comedy videos, which is not the appropriate Way to use your child for the first couple of years of their li- of their life. <laughs> um, we have a video called a uh, little bit of audio
1: from a video called Baby Pranks. Yes, that was yeah. I think that was one one of them. Uh, this is like uh, it's a, roughly a parody of Punked in look, so you can imagine a lot of shaky cameras and mm-hmm. uh, headset microphones. Um, uh, but instead of pranking your Justin Timberlakes, uh, on this show, they prank babies.
0: This kid's name is Judah. What's that all about? He's from the East Village in New York. And this kid loves his milk. Every day at 4 o'clock, this kid gets a bottle of milk. Well, today, things are going to be a little bit different because Judah is about to get baby pranked. That was that was my son. <laughs> we pranked my son. Yeah. It's a perfect segue into yeah, the <laughs> disturbing exploitation of children that I perpetuated
1: with my own kin. You play a father on Bob's Burgers, which is a show that has some of the most passionate fans. And not just in I think not just in the kind of classic um like d and d monster manual or like the those books where you get all the schematics of the star star trek ships um, yep. but like fans whose connection to the show is deeply emotional, very very much so
0: yes and i'm I'm noticing it more now than ever before it's so um, I, 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 in this in the book tour, I've been meeting a lot of the Bob's Burgers fans, and that's been very present. Um, in meeting people face to face, they are like have a like a, an incredibly deep connection to Bob's Burgers. Um, some of whom say that the show is literally required for their mental health. So it's like it's almost like filling in for for healthcare. in in some cases and so people are thanking me for like that the show is necessary for them and a lot of people are saying like like, i can't
1: sleep without it so apparently the show also puts people to sleep (laughs) i think it is rare to find something as earnest as bob's burgers is that also has uh you know alternative comedy comedy sensibilities um, you know, something that, you know, I find very funny. Uh, yeah. and, and that's a really remarkable thing. And it's like a special thing that that comes from it being a family sitcom.
0: Yeah, I, I think actually the show, as it was developed, had a higher uh, comedy conceit in the beginning as in a more high concept. I think the family was like, Lauren wrote it initially for Fox as the, it was a family of cannibals. And, <laughs> and so I think it did... It had initially the, the trappings of what you just spoke of, as in, you know, there was, like, this effort to make it kind of uh, – had to – something, uh, like, edgy or rough, you know. And uh, that was definitely not Lauren. And I think Fox had the good sense to, to understand Lauren's sensibility better than he did at that time. And they said, just make it about a family who runs a business – and once I think he was freed up to do that, uh, I think then he really put his soul into the show and, and made it what it is. And that's, I think that was, a, that was a great move by Fox.
1: My interview with H. John Benjamin continues after a quick break. We've talked a lot about his comedy career, the highlights of his acting and his family. What else is there to discuss? How about a thorough, honest assessment of H. John Benjamin's eBay purchase history? That's what NPR audiences crave. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Babbel. If you always wanted to speak a new language, whether it's for travel, work, or brain training, Babbel's 10- to 15-minute lessons will get you speaking confidently in your new language. Choose from Spanish, French, and more. You'll learn through real-life dialogues, speech recognition, and interactive trainers. And Babbel's spaced repetition method actually makes you remember what you've learned. Download the app or go to babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L, dot com to try Babbel for free.
0: African Americans moved out of bondage and into freedom with stories wrapped in songs. These spirituals held the cries and the hallelujahs of a people rising and falling as they moved beyond the shackles of slavery. It's Wade in the Water, a 26-part series on African American sacred music traditions. Listen on NPR Music and NPR1.
1: Hey, Max Fun listeners. Have you been listening to Max Fun for a while and you've just been wondering, where's the new Flat Earth podcast to keep hearing about? Well,
0: here it is. We give you all the facts on NASA's lies and how we know that the Earth is actually flat.
1: Just Just kidding. kidding. (laughs)
0: This is Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we join fringe religious groups. We undergo alternative medical treatments.
1: And we hang out with people like 9-11 truthers, flat earthers. We find out why do people believe strange things.
0: We join them, and we tell you all about it. We have a lot of fun. We make a lot of friends.
1: Yeah, we do. We joined the Mormons. We joined the Scientologists. We got acupunctured. We got fire cupped. We got ear candled. We've done it all, and we're going to keep doing it all. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is H. John Benjamin. He is, of course, the voice of Bob from Bob's Burgers, Sterling Archer from TV's Archer, and more. When we talked in 2018, he just released his first book. It's called Failure is an Option, an Attempted Memoir. A year or two ago, my children, then aged, I guess, five and three, asked my wife what her favorite television show was. Um, I think thinking that she would say Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and she said, she unthinkingly answered them honestly and said, Archer. Oh, yeah, really? And we spent we spent, I'm going to say, it's done now, thank goodness they've forgotten. But I'm going to say a solid year coming up with complicated explanations that would make sense to a three and five year old about why this show was good, but not something they should watch. <laughs> well, they, uh, that my kid watched and probably started
0: watching our show when he was like nine. That <laughs> <And laughs> feels early. Yeah, that's it was too early. But you just like you hope he doesn't understand the references, or he doesn't like Google them. <laughs> I mean, I think that's all people do while they're watching Archer is Google
1: the references.
0: Well, yeah, but I I guess I'm talking about more like more of the inappropriateness of the show for a 9-year-old. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it. But yes, of course you could also learn things.
1: Uh, Archer is a comic version of uh the James Bond super spy character in that um You know, like James Bond, he behaves like the fantasy of how a teenager would behave. But because his mom is his boss um, and because she is like cycling father figures through his life and so on and so forth, he also, while he has the kind of insolence and. Uh, a little bit indolence of a of a teenager. Yeah, he also has that kind of sweet, scared quality <laughs> that a teenager has, especially I think a teenage boy who feels like it's his responsibility to be in charge and like ins- assert himself into the world, uh, but is also not sure how to do that or and is bad at it. Right.
0: All these these characters around him are there to kind of rein him in, um, and they do their best all the time, and that's that's always a check on on Archer's um you know craziness so that interrelationship is really good
1: there's also something really appealing about competence like the fact that archer despite being the worst super spy imaginable in almost every category <laughs> always seems to make it work out in the end um yeah
0: yeah he's good he's really good at his job uh, so that's um, infuriating, I guess, <laughs> considering the, the way he behaves. Um, <laughs> but to be good at a, as 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 a spy, I'm not sure is redeeming at all. I think it might be dangerous. I
1: I want to play another clip from Archer, um, and this is this is from the the third season, and the whole season opens. I think maybe Adam Reed the creator of Archer, who apparently just goes off and writes every episode uh, in his cabin or something. Uh, Yes, I've I've been there. (laughs) It's a very odd and amazing feat of television. Um, But uh, I think he's really into muscle cars, and there was just a lot of muscle cars in it for a while. And in this scene, we see this shot of this brand new, super tricked out, all black dodge challenger and um your character sterling archer my guest being john benjamin is talking to it uh and and it is his birthday gift
0: oh i can feel it i can feel your power what's that you want me inside you sterling you know my name
1: sterling
0: Hmm? no uh Sorry.
1: I believe a thank you is in order.
0: Mother? Oh, my God, yes. Thank you. And
1: not just, well, mostly me,
0: of course, but Dr. Krieger helped, too. Well, only if by help do you mean <laughs> oversaw the design of the world's most insanely kick-ass spy car. It's a spy car? Lana? What? Lana? Lana oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> Holy... Yeah, I'm like a magnet. Fred, <coughs> shut up. What else does it do? Press that red button. I Wait, is it going to kill everybody? <laughs> <laughs> that was the best, I feel like the best possible ad for a Dodge Challenger ever made. <laughs> the, the beginning of that. I don't know why. And I'm sure Adam Reed, that was not product placement. I think
1: Adam probably loved Dodge Challengers and wrote that uh, from his heart. What's amazing to me is that you also... I mean, you have a story in the book about buying a dirt bike on eBay yep. to ride back and forth to, like, the recording studio in Manhattan. I, no, I, actually, I, I never rode...
0: I've That was my eBay phase, where I was <laughs> bidding wildly on anything <laughs> on eBay. And I think I got it in my head to order dirt bikes, which turned out to be... A disaster. They were like, they were, had to be shipped from Iowa. It was a ma- like a massive money pit. That seems like an incredibly impractical thing to buy on eBay. Yes, everything I did on eBay was impractical. Yeah, <laughs> none, none of it worked out. <laughs> the only thing that really worked out was my, I think I, I got from my girlfriend a sketch on eBay of Lance Bass <laughs> lying in a field like that some kid had drawn and was selling. (laughs) (laughs) I think I bought it for like $3 and that was the best purchase on eBay I've ever made. Well, I mean, it's a $1 bid increment, so you outbid somebody. I might, yeah. I think it probably started at 99 cents. So there was some Lance Bass fan out there that I beat, some 12-year-old girl (laughs) that I
1: destroyed
0: with my $2.
1: Well, John Benjamin, I sure appreciate you taking the time to come back and be on Bullseye. It's always nice to get to talk to you. That was great. Thanks, Jesse. H. John Benjamin. You can catch him as Sterling Archer on Archer on FX. We didn't get to talk about this during the interview. John also has released a jazz record, which is what you are listening to now. He plays piano on it, and it is called, Well, I Should Have Learned to Play Piano. He hired professional jazz musicians to accompany him, a guy who does not know how to play piano. This song is called, I Can't Play Piano. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. We record the show at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters, overlooking beautiful MacArthur Park in Los Angeles, California, where our producer Raghu saw three police cars parked under a canopy of trees for hours. Our best guess, and right now this is just a guess, this is not news reporting, our best guess is that they were playing hide-and-seek with some other police officers who were in helicopters. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. He's on leave. Raghu Manavalan filled in for him this week. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our production fellow is Jordan Cowling. Our music is by DJW. Everything except our theme, that is. Dan Wally is his government. Thanks, as always, to Dan for sharing it with us. Our theme song is called Huddle Formation. It's by the Go Team. Thanks to them and to Memphis Industries, their label, for letting us use that. Super nice about that. Great band. Before you go, I've been making this show for a long time. There are a lot of interviews. Like, for example, last week we had John Waters on the show. Do you think that was the first time John Waters has been on the show? No, he's been on the show a whole bunch of times. Why don't you listen to him in a row and see if he keeps his story straight? We've got tons of stuff on our website. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you want to hear either of these interviews, again, YouTube is a great place to find and share them. You can follow us on Twitter at Bullseye, and we're at Bullseye with Jesse Thorne on Facebook. And that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off.